the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. With a reasonable answer for the hope that lies within us, this is Contending for the Faith with Dr. Jerry Buckner. And now, to introduce Dr. Jerry Buckner, here's Gary Bell. Well, good evening and welcome to another exciting edition of Contending for the Faith. We're the cutting-edge Christian apologetic ministry addressing the issues and challenges facing today's church, and we are live. Live for the next hour with your host, Bay Area Pastor, teacher, professor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. Well, tonight we will bring you part eight in our new series on the doctrine of the Trinity. Now, this essential doctrine of the Christian faith is one of the most controversial teachings in the Bible. The doctrine of the Trinity has been maligned. It's been attacked. It's been denied. Uh, many have isolated uh, throughout history, going all the way back to Arian heresy and Arius Alexander. So the big question is, why is there so much biblical illiteracy when it comes to this doctrine, particularly in our churches, and what can we do to disciple people in this essential area? Well, for the answer to this and much, much more, stay tuned, for we are not pretending. We are contending for the faith. Dr. Buckner, how are you tonight? Brother Gary, I'm truly blessed, and thank you so much for that introduction. And we want to thank everybody out there in Radio Land for joining us for another edition of Contending for the Faith. We get so excited every Saturday night to come and teach and preach and answer your questions and pray for you. So we are appreciative of your patience with us and your prayers because without your patience and prayers and support, we would not be able to do what we're doing uh, tonight and every Saturday at this time. And we have also been excited about uh, teaching on the Trinity, the heart of who God is. And we have learned thus far about uh, God being one God, one God from Genesis to Revelation. And we learned that that one God in Scripture is called Father. He's also called Son. And we're going to pick up in the area where he's called Son. Now, the Christological question today that we should ask everybody in our church, the Christological question also in our home, is the Christological question that Jesus asked his disciples at Caesarea Philippi in Matthew chapter 16. And we want you to get your Bibles and your pens and your paper and, and you know, come up close to your table and take notes because you're entering into Bible class, Bible school, a type of seminary. And we want to teach you and equip you in knowing what you believe and knowing why. And that's why Jesus at Caesarea Philippi in 
Matthew chapter 16, asked that Christological question. What does the word Christology mean? Knowing about three things, the person, nature, and work of Jesus Christ. The person, nature, and work of Jesus Christ. And Jesus asked them the question, who do men say that I am? And they were saying all of these different explanations for what men were saying who Jesus is. And do you not know that's true today? That's why Jesus asked that question. Some were saying that he was Elijah. Some were saying that he was John. Some were saying that he was the prophets. And uh, some were saying he was Jeremiah. And then Jesus got personal with them and said, whom do you say that I am? And that's the Christological question that we should ask everybody in our homes. Also our children, grandchildren, also those in churches. Who do you say that Jesus is? And you'll be surprised the answer that you get. And a lot of time the answer is not the right answer. And that's where God has called us to equip people by the word of God. And that's what we're going to do tonight. Whom do you say that Jesus is? Well, we're going to go through a series of scriptures on Jesus and the Bible claiming that Jesus is God. The Bible claims that Jesus is God over and over and over and over again. And what we're going to do is go on a jet tour, a spiritual jet tour of Jesus and others claiming that he is God. It doesn't matter what the Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons and Christian scientists and the cultists say. The most important thing is what Jesus said about who he is and the writers of the Bible. Well, let's start off with this. John 10 and verse 30. Jesus said, and this is number one, Jesus said, the Father and I are one. In the Greek, it says, the Father and I, we are one. Now, this is speaking of the unity of the deity. Make a note of that. This is talking about the unity of the deity. And uh, Jesus says, I and the Father, we are one. Now, this again is speaking of the unity of the deity. Notice how that rhymed. And number two, in Philippians chapter two, verses five through six, Philippians chapter two, verses five through six, this is known as the famous kenosis chapter. Kenosis is spelled K-E-N-O-S-I-S, kenosis chapter, where it says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be, here's the word, equal with God. Now, this is uh, a divine claim of the Apostle Paul teaching that Jesus is truly God. 
when he uses the word equal, he thought it not a crime. In the Greek, it's even more deeper. He thought it not something to grasp after. You don't grasp after something that's already yours by nature. That's something important for us to understand. So he thought it was that it was not a crime to claim to be equal with God. Now, anybody that would say that Jesus is not equal to God, you need to show him this passage of scripture. Now, thirdly, we're just going through this jet tour of Jesus and others claiming that he is God. And you need to know these scriptures and you need to not only know them, but you need to know how to defend them from an apologetic standpoint. Number three, John 17 and verse 21. These are some scriptures you probably never heard of before on the deity of Christ. And that's why you should be taking notes and making note of it. John 17 and 21, that they all may be one. Jesus said that they all may be one as thou father are in me and I in thee that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Now, this is talking about the divine unity in eternity. The divine unity in eternity. That they were one as divine in eternity. And what Jesus is teaching that we may be one, not as divine unity, but as human unity. Notice the difference. Divine unity is teaching us to learn human unity. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. That makes you want to shout. See, so we are to be like Christ, right? Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. There's a lot of people who want to become a Dr. J, a Reggie J, a Kareem J, and used to be an OJ. <laughs> but there's, but I want to be a J Jesus. That's what I want to be like. I want to be like Jesus. Number four, number four. John 1 and verse 18. John 1 and verse 18. Jesus says, No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God. I'm just kind of bringing you a little more Greek. And is the closest relationship with the Father has made him known. Now, in the King James, it says, no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten son, which is in the bosom of the father, he has declared him. Now, the word begotten in Greek, I'm going to give you a little Greek now, is monogenes. Say it with me, monogenes, monogenes. That's spelled M-O-N-O. G-E-N-E-S, M-O-N-O-G-E-N-E-S, 
monogenes. That word is that he was divine, the only divine person that came to the earth in human form and was unique as the divine one, the only one that's God come to the earth and is unique and one of a kind. That's what the word monogenes one means, the only begotten. Now, it's interesting word with this word that I want to say, and then I'm going to bring it home because my time is almost out. But I want you to take note of something in this verse. John 1 and verse 18. It says, no man has seen, and I'm going to read it from the King James, no man has seen God at any time, the only begotten, monogenes, son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. Now, underline the word declare. Now, this is the first time in the New Testament that the word hermeneutics, which is the defined as the biblical science of interpretation, the word declare is the uh, English word from the hermeneutics, exegete. Declare is the word exegete. When Jesus came into the the world as the word in John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. But when he took on human flesh, God exegeted him into the world. How about that? You never knew that the word exegete is in the Bible. Well, you know it now, and it's found in John 1 and verse 18. He has declared him. He has exegeted his son as the word of God to the entire world so that the world would be convicted of sin, righteousness, and judgment, and accept him as the Savior and Lord. Confess your sins right now. If you have denied him, if you're ignorant of him, confess your sins. Ask him to come into your heart as your personal Lord and Savior, and he will save you and bring you to heaven with him. He that has an ear, let him hear to the exegesis of the word of God, Brother Gary. All right, well, it's time for us to take that commercial break. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. You're listening to Contending for the Faith on AM 1100 KFAX, the spirit of the Bay. Well, welcome back to Contending for the Faith. With your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cult, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner, we just want to thank all of you who have been praying for contending for the faith these many, many years. Without your prayer support, we know we would not be here today, and it's so vital that you're consistent in praying for this ministry. It's also vital that you partner with us financially here at Contending for the Faith. It costs us 400 a week to remain on the air. And so we need your support. We need your consistent prayers as well as your consistent giving. There's two ways that you can donate. 
Uh, first, you can send a check or money order to Contending for the Faith, Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith, Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, spelled T-I-B-U-R-O-N, California, 94920. Second way is so much easier. Just go online. Uh, get on your tablet or your smartphone. Go online to contendingfaith.org, contendingfaith.org, and click on the donate button. And it's that simple. You'll be a blessing for time and eternity. Uh, it is so important that you are consistent in praying for this ministry and consistent in your giving so that we can continue to do the work that God has called us to do, that we're all in partnership here, and we're here that lives will be touched and changed for the kingdom. Dr. Buckner. Thank you, Brother Gary. Appreciate the, those announcements. And uh, and we are looking forward to uh, communicating with our callers and uh, seeing what's on their hearts and uh, trying to answer their questions as well. So who do we have first, Brother Gary? First, we've got Jermaine up. Brother Jermaine, how you doing? Oh, hey, I'm doing very well, fellas. Well, that's good, my brother. Always good to hear from you. And uh, what's on your heart tonight? Um, you know, uh, I had some other questions, but of course, with the uh, the shenanigans we saw in Washington this past week, I, I thought it'd be appropriate to get your opinion. I, I wanted to know if I'm wrong to think that, you know, maybe biblically speaking, what we're seeing is actually a form of, of uh, judgment. And I said because the way things are going in our country, the tone of it has just gotten so bad. I, I haven't seen anything like this in my lifetime, and I, um, <clears throat> I'm not here to defend the, the president's actions, but this is beyond the president. Some of the people who were involved in the storming of the uh, Capitol said the same thing. They said, we're not, this isn't even about him anymore. That half this country seems split right down the middle, and... There are people who feel like if their voice was not heard, then they're going to make them here. And I just kind of wonder if some of those lawmakers who were running for their life, who some of them who I've seen blasting God, and they had to end up praying to him because they thought they, they were going to maybe lose their life. I'm kind of wondering if this isn't some form of, of judgment and there's more to come because there's just a lot of wickedness that we're seeing in our country from, from the people who were uh, in the pulpit, who are now in politics and, and now some of these politicians who, who seem to be out for revenge. So I just want to get your thoughts on that. Well, that's a good, uh, very good uh, question. Uh, when you mentioned the word judgment, uh, I would uh, concur with you and agree with you on that. Um, let me give you a quote from uh, the late uh, Billy Graham, the great evangelist that God used in such a mighty way. Uh, he made the statement one time, and I never forgot it. It just stuck with me up to this day. He said that if God doesn't judge America, he'll have to apologize for what he did to Sodom and Gomorrah. And America is being judged by God. And when you said it's bigger than the president, because the president, in his speech before they stormed the Capitol, he said, let's be patriotic uh, patriotic, and as well as peaceful. 
and uh, and uh, let's be that way. And you can hear that speech. He never thought that people would do what they did. This is just uh, the depravity of human nature at its best. And uh, we understand uh, how people believe, uh, uh, 75 million people believe the uh, presidency was stolen. But in the midst of all that, you just don't act out that way. Uh, and yet, this is the results of uh, two major things that, there's two major things, uh, Jermaine, when you look at the, the history of judgments of God that always brought the judgment of God upon nations, going all the way back to the children of Israel and to uh, Babylon, to Persians, to Rome, and on and on and on, then to America and other nations, uh, the two words uh, that we should always keep in mind, and that is, and they sound alike, is idolatry and immorality. So we are living in a world of idolatry and immorality, and just like the children of Israel were doing, they were worshiping other gods. They were all into different types of sex. And uh, America is the same way. And all other nations are the same way. And we are seeing the judgment of God come upon us. And I believe to a large degree that this virus is a type of judgment from God. And yet, Rather than people turning to God and repenting of their sins, uh, they are moving further and further away into idolatry and immorality, which is going to consistently bring the judgment of God. Now, uh, let me say this, uh, throw a curveball in here, uh, because we don't want to make this an exception. But um, the judgment of God it's not only upon America, but it's upon the churches as well, because uh, the Bible says that judgment begins in the house of God. What happens in a society and in a world when the churches fail to do what God called them to do, then and they start to deteriorate theologically and biblically and all the other things that God called them to do, then what happens is a society, community, and world. So there are so many churches now that have gotten so far away from God that God is judging uh, people and churches and uh, the you know if everywhere from the the church house, the White House, the ranch house, and even those who don't have a house. And now. So that's from the judgmental standpoint that uh, idolatry and immorality always brings the judgment of God. Now, there's another flip side of this uh, that I must bring up that's very important because I've had a lot of people call me this week, pastors and um, lay persons and wanting to get my input. But one of the things that we must keep in mind, uh, Jermaine, and I, I want to throw this into the spiritual pot because you'll be able to communicate this as well. <clears throat> Not only idolatry and immorality and the statement of Billy Graham that, uh, you know, uh, if God doesn't judge America, he has to apologize what he did to Sodom and Gomorrah, 
but also we got to look at this from a prophetic standpoint. The world today, uh, sad to say, uh, under Biden's administration, is uh, he's into a mentality of Marxism, socialism, and communism. That's why he loves uh, China. And, uh, And he even made the statement the other day that I'm going to uh, do everything I can to uh, make America different. America won't be the same. Well, when when you when you uh, are into Marxism and socialism and communism, that's the direction. But this, the reason why I'm saying it's part of prophecy, is because Marxism, socialism, and communism has always been governmental control under a dictator. So what happened with Hitler, America is moving in that direction and governmental control. Capitalism is the freedom of the people making America uh, the capitalistic uh, world where people have freedom to choose to do this. Well, the world today is moving more and more towards a Marxist, socialist, communistic uh, world system and that's going to fit right into the Antichrist. We think what happened at uh, the Capitals is really bad. It's going to get a lot worse because Jesus said in Matthew 24, this is just the beginning of sorrows when he lists a whole bunch of things. And so things are going to get a lot worse because it's setting and it's conditioning people for the Antichrist to come. The Antichrist is going to come, and he's going to be a dictator. He's going to be a Marxist, a socialist, a communist, anti-Christian, anti-everything. And they just said the other day, they just said today, that on Newsmark, uh, that they are getting ready to censor everything that is Christian and Christian radio, Christian uh, platforms, they're going to try to attack everything that is Christian. What's going on? Well, it's conditioning. And when you see everything being dominated by numerics and numbers, what is that telling you? You know, we used to be use cash all the time. We're a cashless society pretty much now, and everything is numerics. Well, that's preparing everybody for the number 666. I wouldn't be surprised, nobody knows, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Antichrist could be in the Middle East right now being nurtured by the devil because his main platform is going to be coming to the Middle East and bring peace there. And when you think about people like Anwar Sadat, Menachem Begin, Martin Luther King, every peace leader was knocked off. Well, he's going to have to persuade the entire world through peace and stopping the wars in the Middle East. And then the whole world is going to say, he's the man that we've been looking for. And then when you look at Revelation 13, it says he was wounded as to death. Well, he's going to emulate and pretend to die just like Jesus did. He's going to try to do everything Jesus did. So everything happening today is a conditioning. It's scary. It's concerning, but the good news is this, God is in control and uh, we must not never lose sight of that. 
God is on the throne. He's in control. But prophecy, looking at prophecy, looking at the judgment of God, looking at idolatry and immorality that went on earlier in history and God judged over and over, same thing is happening today. And God is not going to stop. And you say, you would say, and I'm going to say this and close on it. You would say to yourself, after this COVID thing, if that doesn't wake up people, what else can wake them up? Well, when you get to the place of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, you become strong delusional. And then you fall victim of getting worse than that. And in, in Romans 1, a reprobate mind. It's, you can you can get into a state where there's no return. I believe America and pe- many in, in America is at that state of delusion and even some of our churches. So the judgment of God will continue to heighten because he's trying to get people to turn to him. And if they don't, it's going to get worse and worse upon humanity. And I believe prophecy is playing a major part of that. So hopefully... Uh, some of this insight I've given you has been help helpful to uh, with uh, esch- bringing eschatology into theology. I, I didn't elaborate on. I'll be real quick. Was the same behavior we're seeing from one side is the same behavior we saw from the other side just last year, and it was applauded. And people are complaining at the very thing that they were applauding. So that that's how I know some spirituals going on. So I'll just leave that there. Amen, brother. Well, thank you so much for your call and your question as well. We appreciate always and uh, share some of the, the insight. I've shared with you with others because they need to hear it. I will. God bless you guys. All righty. God bless you as well. All right. We've got two minutes and, or excuse me, one minute. Maybe we can get CC started. All righty. Let's get to CC. Brother CC, how you doing? Yeah, how you doing? How you doing? We are blessed. How are you? I'm hanging in there, man. Good. We missed you last week. Yeah, I know, man. It was unfortunate, man. I was, I was, my, my timing, this is a lot happened last week. Uh-huh. Well, we're glad that yeah. you're with us tonight. And, uh, yeah, I am, too. Amen. And what's, what's uh, oh, but, but, by the way, uh, you have about a minute, and we'll get to your question as well. Uh, did you hear the uh, message and everything? I didn't. I didn't hear it because I, I, I didn't get through it to like seven twenty. Okay. Well, let's get uh, introduce your question, and then we'll come back after the commercial and address it. What's on your heart? I want to ask you about the great. If you can give me any information about the great theologian uh, John Calvin. Okay, I sure will. Let's uh, do that. We'll deal with John Calvin. Have you done any reading on him at all? I've got a little. I've got. I have got a little bit of information on him, but I haven't got real deep into it yet because I got so much. I got so much. I got so much material I'm looking at right now. So it's like it's really. Sometimes it gets overwhelming. So I'm trying to you know soak it in. Yeah. Let me uh, when we come back from the commercial break. Let me kind of uh, give you a Reader's Digest conversation on John Cowan, and then it'll. Uh, I'll break it down, and then it'll kind of make you make it easier for you when you do your studies. All right, well, it's time for us to take that commercial break. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith.
You're listening to Contending for the Faith on AM 1100 KFAX, the spirit of the Bay. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area Pastor, Lecturer, Counselor, and Expert on the Cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. And we'd just like to thank all of our listening audience, especially you who have been listening and praying for this ministry for so many years. We just really appreciate your prayers. We can't thank you enough for the the power of prayer and, and the consistent prayers that so many have sent up on behalf of contending for the faith. Um, we also want to say thank you to those of you who have partnered with us financially over the years to keep this ministry on the air. It's a listener-supported ministry, and if we don't get the support, uh, we will have a big problem come Saturday nights. We won't be on the air. And so we really appreciate how so many of you for so long have stood with us, partnered with us to help us to proclaim the word of God and give reasons and answers for faith. There's two ways in which you can donate. First, send a check or money order to Contending for the Faith, Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, Tiburon spelled T-I-B-U-R-O-N, California, 94920. Now, the second way is so much easier. Simply just go online to contendingfaith.org. That's contendingfaith.org and click on the Donate button. And you will be a blessing for time and eternity. We couldn't, we can't thank you enough for your partnership. We can't thank you enough for your prayers for this ministry. Well, let's get back to uh, CC, who's been uh, waiting patiently. Doctor Buckner. Yes, let's do that, brother CC. Are you there? Yes, I am. All right. Well, let's jump into uh, John Calvin. Let me say a little bit about uh, John Calvin himself. Uh, John Calvin uh, was a French theologian, and he was a great articulate theologian, uh, and he was a pastor and a reformer during the Protestant Reformation. And he was trained as a humanist lawyer who broke with the Catholic Church in uh, 1530, you know, like Luther, uh, Martin Luther broke as well. And uh, so uh, John Calvin as well broke away from the Catholic Church. And uh, being a reformer, uh, he became the father of the Presbyterian denomination. So that's an important thing to know. Now, Calvinists uh, believe that, uh, well, John Calvin, we'll get back to him, uh, but he taught uh, in the Institutes of Calvin. I have the Institutes of Calvin in my library, and you may want to purchase those if you want to really get an understanding of his theological framework uh, and beliefs. He taught the teaching of double predestination, <clears throat> What is double predestination? Double predestination is the belief that there were some that God chose from the foundation of the world, and then there were others that God damned before the foundation of the world. That's what John Calvin taught. That was the phraseology as double predestination. 
Now, that is a teaching that is contrary to Scripture, because Scripture teaches that uh, God desires that none should perish, but all be brought to repentance. And uh, God would be a very cruel God, an unjust God, uh, and judge to judge people uh, and damn them before the foundation of the world and create them and just damn them. No, uh, Jesus made it very clear in Matthew 25. He said, hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, I'm giving you a little apologetic responses now uh, to those who are uh, strong Calvinists uh, and believe in this double predestination teaching. Uh, and I trust that you're taking notes and others who are listening to this because you never know when you're going to run across a Calvinist. Now, so uh, Jesus said hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. Well, if Jesus said hell was prepared for the devil and his angels, then that means that hell was not prepared for man to be down to be there uh, from eternity beginning. Now, there were also uh, debates between uh, Calvinists and Arminianism. And you can do research on those two views because Arminius, Jacob Arminius, taught uh, different from Calvinists uh, with a double predestination view. And they debated uh, John Calvin and Jacob uh, Arminius. And you'll find that in Calvinism and Arminianism, uh, pretty much some truths and then some errors. And what you have to do is be discerning regarding the scriptures and know what is truth over error. Uh, Walter Martin, my mentor, one time taught us uh, in a class that uh, the late Dr. Walter Martin, he says, uh, I'm a, I am a Cal Arminian. <laughs> and what he meant by that is that I grab a little bit of Calvinism and I grab a little bit of Arminianism. I'm a Cal Arminian. <laughs> I, I love that, that approach. Now, another thing that Calvin taught, and you may want to write this down in the listening audience, and I'll kind of give you a Reader's Digest condensation on this. Uh, he taught the doctrine of the tulip. The tulip. You ever heard of that before? Um. I'm not too sure. It sounds familiar. It sounds vaguely. Okay, so you want to take notes on this. So he taught the tulip, and that's spelled T-U-L-I-P, the tulip. What is the tulip? Well, the T stands for total depravity, and the U stands for unconditional election. The L stands for limited atonement. The I stood for irresistible grace. And the P stood for perseverance of the saints. Now, when one looks at all of this, they would say, 
hmm, this sounds pretty good theologically. This sounds pretty good. But there are some problems with some of this. And you have to also understand that John Calvin <clears throat> has had a great influence upon evangelicalism and uh, many of the churches today because there are many people who are in evangelicalism and in the Reformed churches that are strong Calvinists. So Winston Churchill one time said, he that doesn't know the past is destined to repeat it. And I go a step further and say, destined to repeat it ignorantly. We need to understand history and we got to be uh, students of history and no, be under good teachers that are going to teach us the correct way. Now, getting back to the tulip, total depravity. Now, in the mind of Calvin, uh, this one could debate this because uh, some are total deprived and into depravity before they were even born. So there's no way they could come out of it. That would be problematic with total depravity because total depravity, we're all that way, but because we're total depraved doesn't mean that we cannot uh, come to know Jesus if we reach out to him. Now, uh, unconditional election uh, could would be in the mind of the Calvinists that some are elected before the foundation of the world by God and others are not elected. They just, that double predestination thing again. So some are elected and others are not elected. Now, when we look at the word election from a theological standpoint, we have to understand that, and very few people are taught this in churches as well, that Election is based upon one choosing to be in Christ. It has nothing to do with predestination before you were born, because a lot of us have been taught in churches that some are predestined for eternity and others are not. No, God is not going to be like that. What makes you predestined and chosen and elected is that you choose. Christ is the elect one. And when you're in him, you are elected. You're elected because you choose to be elected in him. You know, that's why you reach out. Paul says, you're not far from any one of us. In him we live and move in our being. Call Anyone who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You choose to be in Christ. And therefore, when you choose to be in Christ, you are elected. Now, what about the L, limited atonement? Oh, this is good stuff here. Limited atonement. Well, is this a sound doctrine? No. What's a sound doctrine is unlimited atonement. <laughs> you need we, we, we change that from a limited atonement to unlimited atonement because in, in, in Christ, his atonement is not limited. How do we know that? We got to back it up with scripture, right? First John 2 says that he is the propitiation not only for our sins, 
before the sins of the whole world. So he, he died not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. Now, that's very important. Make a note of that. Anytime you say make a note of that, you better make a note because I tell my students in seminary, make a note, and they know immediately I'm going to be graded on this. <laughs> so this is the thing, that he is the propitiation in meaning the mercy seat for our sins. Now, he says for our sins, believers, but for the sins of the whole world. Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. In Calvinism, limited atonement means he only died for the elect. Very important to know. Very important to know. That's why I say when you get into contending for the faith, enter, you're entering into a Bible class. You're entering into seminary training. Get prepared for it every Saturday. You know, get behind this ministry and support it because we're about equipping people. If we don't get equipped, you get whipped. Now, that's, and then with the limited term as well, is that you, you, we throw in there John 3 and 16, for God so loved the world, gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God so loved the world. He didn't just love the elect. That's another good scripture to, to, to bunk limited atonement. What about irresistible grace? Well, they, Calvin is going to say that uh, a, those who are predestined, they will uh, never resist the grace of God because it will become irresistible. They'll never resist it. But, yeah, but there are others who will resist it. There's others who will reject it. But that, that's the bottom line. It can be irresistible, but it can be uh, acceptable too, depending on what you what you choose to do. Now, the last one is P, perseverance of the saints. Now, when I say this, and a Calvinist says it, you got to define the different meanings. That's why Walter Martin says, define language and terminology in his book, The Kingdom of the Cults. So perseverance of the saints is where they say only the elect will persevere who've been chosen before the foundation of the world. No, those who have not been uh, uh, chosen, well, I would say not been, who have not accepted him yet, will accept him and they will persevere to the end. I believe in the perseverance of the saints because God gives only one type of life that's eternal life. And if you can lose it, it never was eternal from the beginning. So hopefully that helped. I, I kind of got into a thorough class with you on this. So hopefully it's given you some real insight on this and hopefully you took some good notes. Hey, I mean, I'm, I highly appreciate it. I didn't, I didn't expect for you to take that much time and, and really break it down like that. You gave me, a whole lot to work with on what what else I can do, and that that's good. that's um, going to make my studies even more um, more easy. Not not so much more easy, but more it's going to motivate me more to to you know what I'm saying and add to what I've already been trying to you know what I've learned. And I pre I really appreciate it from bottom of my heart. I appreciate it that you took that time out. Thank you so much. You got it because my mindset is appreciate the encouraging word. My mindset is equipping you, but also uh, the other saints as well. Well, it look like we only have a minute and maybe Gary can pray for your prayer requests and then lead 
uh, bringing it home. So what's your prayer request? And then we'll turn it over to Brother Gary. And uh, we look forward to next Saturday as well. Brother Gary. Just what's your prayer request, uh, CC? Yeah. Just, just pray for my family and my mother, and I'm, and I'm doing a, a deep study on uh, the, uh, on several, several books in the Bible. I need God to just help me to soak it in and be able to get it to, to, to the young adults between the ages 18 and 49. All right. All right. So, Lord, we just lift up Brother Cece and his family. We ask that you give him supernatural wisdom, discernment, clarity of thought as he prepares and teach to study, to, to be able to share the word. And we pray, Lord God, that you would just continue to be with him and strengthen him and encourage him along his walk, Lord God. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, well, we've come to the end of tonight's exciting broadcast. And we'd like to thank Vince, our engineer, and you, our listening audience, for being part of tonight's program. It's important for us to hear from you. Your letters and cards are an encouragement to us. So please drop us a note. Let us know how the program has blessed you. You can reach us at Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553. Tiburon, California, 94920. Please keep us in your prayers until next week at this time when we once again give you the opportunity to ask questions, make comments, and dialogue with Dr. Buckner, always with one purpose in mind, to equip, exhort, and better enable you to contend for the faith. I'm Gary Bell. May God richly bless you.